Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city of America. It is truly grand and glorious out there on the streets of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. How about we spend the next couple hours here engaged in some energetic and entertaining conversation on the Patrick Lally Show. We'll touch on our normal local, state, and national news and politics, a little bit of sports, maybe leisure, transportation, that kind of stuff that you've come to expect from this fine program every day from 3 to 5 here on Information 1000 KSOO. Sad to say that Dan Peters, Uber producer Dan Peters, is out today, so I am flying solo. So I got nobody to blame. Thanks for spending some time with me today, whether you're driving around town, listening to Information 1000, maybe you're out on a job site somewhere, building homes, remodeling, laying concrete, wiring, plumbing, all the rest. I know we do pretty well out on the job site, I think. You know, I, I think we're, we're uh, uh, very popular out there on the job site. Well, that's what I'm going to tell myself anyway. Maybe you're streamed live on KSO.com or on the KSOO mobile app. You know the app. It's all one-touch streaming and news and information that you need to get through your day. And remember, most days, most days when I got a good signal, which is maybe not today, uh, you can catch us Facebook Live at the KSOO page or on our Twitter account, at P. Show. Oh, man. I got to tell you about a, a, a disaster. Okay? It was a disaster in the household. Uh, yesterday. So if you're like me, you're a fan of boxed wine. And who isn't? Four bottles in one box. <laughs> you uh, save yourself so much time in uncorking. And, uh, you know, it's cheaper. Let's just admit it, it's cheaper. And then, you know, you know, I I like a nice glass of wine. You know, I like something higher end. I, you know, I like it. I like the good stuff. But, you know, day-to-day table wine, dinner wine, that sort of thing, you can go straight up box, right? Uh, Well, something happened to me yesterday that I've not seen in my uh, box wine experience. Uh, The bladder inside the box, the magic of the box wine is, in fact, the bladder and the little valve there that keeps it fresh. Uh, Something went horribly wrong. Okay, and came down uh, yesterday morning, and there's the box surrounded by a, a pool of wine. <laughs> so there's a pool of wine on the uh, on the kitchen counter, uh, red wine. Yeah, so you see where I'm going with this. So the first, you know, you, you see this, and of course, what's your first instinct? Somebody grab a pitcher. You know, I mean, you got to save the wine. <laughs> So pull the bladder out of the box, and the box is all (laughs) wine-soaked. This is terrible. This is just classic sort of suburban life, right? And, you you know, the first thing, you get the bladder out of there and uh, uh, try and find And sure enough, it's got a leak in it somewhere in there. And But you're looking at this bladder of wine, and you're like, I I don't want to waste it. Uh, this This is still like 12 bucks worth of wine in here. That seems wasteful. So, uh, yeah, I did. I filled up a pitcher. Uh, it looks like grape Kool-Aid. Um, you know, it'll be, it'll be fine. But then the second thing you realize is there's a whole bunch of wine on the counter and you wipe it off and just a big, big sort of stain 
on the counter. And so you wipe that off and you're like, oh my God, trying, nah, nothing, nothing. And I'm standing there thinking, yeah, kitchen counters can't cost that much, right? <laughs> how much, how much could it possibly be? But one last thing we tried was the uh, 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 JP found the uh, the scrubber stuff that like uh, had some bleach in it, some sort of stuff. Took it right off. Whoo, whoo, golly, dodged a bullet there. So let that be a lesson to you people. Put your boxed wine in a bowl or something. Keep it safe. I hope it never happens again. I hope it never happens to you because it's it's not something you want to go through. We've got a great show for you today. Our guests include mayoral candidate Paul Tenhaken will be in the studio to talk about his plans to lead the city should he win the May 1 runoff election against Jolene Letcher. The smart cyclist Michael Christensen will be with us for Weird Friends, and uh, we're going to talk about transportation in the city, I think, a little bit what the mayoral candidates should know. And we'll visit with Lance Smith, who's walking for 24 hours to raise money for a school in Kenya. And I'll have a PL statement just after the break. Today's topic, what graceful exit? This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSO. Oh, oh. 315 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Yes, indeedy, we all want to be a little closer to free with the Bodines. We'll get right into the PL statement today because I'm going to need some time, people. I'm going to need some time to go through this. So, look, we've known for some time that Mayor Mike Uther has a pretty thin skin, right? We know that he'll, uh, somebody writes a nasty letter to the editor, he'll seek that person out on Facebook and drill them had those stories uh, relayed to me personally. He'll sp- he spent a bunch of money trying to figure out who was trolling him on Twitter. He spends entirely too much time worried about what people think about him. Entirely too much. And But that's fine. Those are his problems, really. They don't have that much effect on my world. I think they're counterproductive, and I can't imagine it's good for his mental health. But, as I said, those are his problems. Sometimes, though, the mayor's inability to keep his nose out of matters that aren't his to meddle in, goes too far, and that happened again this week. So yesterday, mayoral candidate Paul Tenhaken held a press conference to outline his plans for the first 100 days of his administration should he win the May 1 runoff against Jolene Letcher. Paul will be on this program later today talking about the main points of that plan, so I don't need to go into too much detail. And if you paid any attention to the news yesterday, you know, you know the broad strokes. It's all reasonable stuff. It's an attempt to separate himself from his opponent, show that he's got public policy chops, has spent time looking for solutions to the challenges we face, yada, yada, yada. It's all expected discussion during a mayoral campaign. Agree or disagree with what he says, it's you know nothing that you wouldn't see. Unless, of course, you're the current mayor. Then every statement made by your potential successors is a smear on your character. Because, as we know, Nothing has ever been better than it is right now. There's no way that that anything would have happened without the current administration. 
cue the cue the circus music. So not long after Tenhaken had released his plan, city finance director Tracy Turback yesterday issued what he called background information regarding statements made today in relation to Sioux Falls City government. Not anything specific, mind you, just statements that may or may not have been made about city government. First off, don't kid yourself about who's talking here. Behind every city action is the mayor's hand. Never forget that. Let's take a look at the statement. Okay, so Tenhaken said in a press conference, in his press conference yesterday, one of the main points uh, is his plan is to remove the $1,000 limit on uh, that the chief of police can spend without approval from City Hall. And that's part of his plan. He'll talk about it later today. Then he said, quote, our police department has not been empowered to police the way they need to police. Then in some ways, they in some ways have been the thumb, had the thumb on them by City Hall which is apparently what Turbeck was talking about, though he didn't say anything specifically when he said in his release, every city department, not just the police department, has been affected by budget tightening due to sales tax revenue concerns. Discretionary spending, including out-of-state travel and training and much more, was reduced across all areas. For several years now, consistent with prudent business practices, all travel and training requests exceed $1,000 from any department, undergo a greater level of scrutiny, and require additional approvals. Families and businesses make tough spending decisions when times warrant it, and city government has been doing the same. Taxpayers expect nothing less. Okay. There's no doubt, okay, this was about the police department, all right? And I, I understand, you know, prudent fiscal management. But seriously, somebody was approving every expenditure over $1,000. Wasn't that all in the budget already? Pretty much. Every discretionary spending over $1,000 has to get approved. There's no doubt that Huther's relationship with the police department has been strained by negotiations over contracts, the pensions. What Tenhaken is addressing is just what he and every other candidate is hearing. The police have not felt valued under Huther. That's because of the pay and benefits discussion. And the fact that they didn't get the back pay that they thought they were owed when during the contract negotiation. All right. If you don't get, if you're getting a one percent raise and you're a police officer and the pensions have changed and everything that changed, which led to a lot of turnover, you may not feel valued. Okay, doesn't mean it wasn't the right decision, but you're not going to feel valued. And so that's what Ten Haken is hearing, and that's what he's trying to address. Another uh, uh, point in Ten Haken's plan is to repeal an executive order signed by Huther regarding confidentiality in city government. You've heard about this lately. That was a mistake, says Ten Aiken, that led to uh, the transparency issues. His quote, the, ex- the, uh, the executor puts the same fear of sharing information to the street plow driver as it does to the city attorney and everybody in between. Putting that in place created the culture, I think, that we have of secrecy because city employees are worried about sharing information. To which Turback responds. The confidentiality executive order was developed solely at the request of human resources, not the mayor's office, and has nothing to do with secrecy. Rather, it is about ensuring reasonable parameters involving confidential information of our residents, including citizen payment information, credit card numbers, protected health information, criminal records, and much more. Most employers, public and private, have similar policies and provisions to safeguard information. Sioux Falls citizens certainly expect their government to keep their private information private. Yeah, they do. They do. 
But nobody believes this thing. Nobody believes it came from HR, and nobody believes it's about credit card numbers. If it was, you should have said they should have made the, the executive order about that. Executive order, don't release anybody's credit card numbers. No kidding. But that's not what it was. It was this broad sweeping thing that was essentially controlling the message and threatening employees with termination if they talked. That's what it was. Ten Haken says he's going to hire a uh, chief, uh, deputy chief of staff who, among other things, handle communications with the mayor, be empowered to speak for the mayor. Said Turback, the communication special position was created in 2012 to provide additional information, communication to the public from city of to all city of Sioux Falls departments and not just city hall. This has proven very effective in an ever changing communication environment. The 12 city directors and others have the full authority, full authority to speak to the public and the media on every any and every topic and have been active in doing just that. That's simply just not true. It hasn't been effective. There is no real communication with City Hall or any other departments, and it got worse and worse and worse as the administration went on. This is still about the fact that Huther fired Jody Schwan, who was Munson's chief of staff, because he didn't like her and he didn't think he needed one, and he made that an issue during the campaign because, God forbid, you'd pay a woman That goes all goes back to that. Then he hired Heather Hitterdahl, which, you know, fine human being. But they, this was not a communications office by any stretch of the imagination. Basically, it was uh, threats and edicts from, from uh, the mayor's office and a daily barrage of press conferences that were generally a waste of time. The notion that the directors speak freely is laughable. And then there's this, which is a simply a slap in the face at the end of the candidates. Sioux Falls City Government values the stewards who are willing to serve on behalf of our citizens. We also understand that much is learned once related, once elected to serve and then serving in that capacity. If there are any questions from the candidates, we would encourage them to contact the departments to find out the details of any question or concern. Which is all to say you don't know what you're talking about, so shut up. The thing is... The mayor has no business entering this debate. He's made it perfectly clear. He said it over and over again that he's basically the only person that can be mayor. He said that he'll be here for South Dakota should South Dakota call on him. He's even said that he hasn't ruled out running for president. I, for one, will be happy when this delusion ends. Mike Huther is a fine person. His intentions may be pure. Um, you know, I, I think that his heart often is in the right place. And I've said it when it is, but his inability to separate himself as an individual from the public part of the job cripples his ability as a public servant. He doesn't understand how a free society really works. He can't handle criticism, however small, and he lashes out at those who dare to question him. Mike, please stay out of this election. Fade back into private life. Enjoy private life. Don't just go back, man. Go back. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. You can agree or disagree with me. Send me an email, Patrick at KSO.com. I'd love to hear from you. Always do. You can chat with us on the Twitter feed at Pilali Show, on the Facebook live feed where people are doing so right now. Coming up after the news and weather, we'll chat with the smart cyclist, Michael Christensen.
This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. 332 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And it's time of the day for Weird Friends, 3.30, every day on the Patrick Lally Show. Have one of my friends in and we chat a little bit. Today, as most Thursdays, it's the smart cyclist, Michael Christensen. Michael, thank you for coming into the studio today. Thursday's my day, except when it's not. Except when you're busy. And you, sir, have been busy, busy, busy. I know. Something's got to (laughs) give. Sometimes it's the radio show. I know. Well, that's okay. That's okay. I understand. If I didn't pay so well, um, I might, you know, uh, I might never show up. You know, one of the things that the reason I like to have Michael on all the time is because we share a lot of passions, uh, cycling. Yes. Uh, 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 good urban planning, walkability. Yes. Uh, uh, what was the other one? Cycling. Irish music? Uh, Irish music, uh, yes. Cycling. Cycling. But community organization. Yeah, there you being go. Being involved. Activism. Caring. Yes, we share all those things. And I thought this was a great opportunity for you because you pay attention to these things. You are a, 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 a certified bike instructor with the Ameri- League of American Bicyclists, and you're involved in a lot of stuff. Yes. Uh, transportation stuff. And uh, I've had both the candidates on. I got Ten Haken on later, is on the show later this afternoon, and I've had them both on. Jolene three times. Uh, this will be Ten Haken's third time. And we always talk about transportation. Yeah. And it's kind of amorphous because it's hard. Um, and the last mayor just said that one of his great regrets is we didn't solve public transportation. And hmm. without getting into who you would vote for, that's not what this is right. about. Right, no, no, no. No, God, no. Um, I want to know what is in your brain in terms of what should the next mayor, what would you like to see the next mayor think about, talk about, get involved in, uh, in terms of transportation and why it's important. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What do you want them to know? If you, if they were both sitting here. Yeah. Which is not out of the realm of possibility. We can make that happen. He's in the next room or he will be by the time I leave, I think. Sure. And and, but I want to know what you would tell them because I try yeah. and have these conversations with them and I often am ill-equipped to make my point because I'm not that bright, but you're smarter than I am on these issues. And, and I just want to know what's in your brain on transportation these days. Um, well, you know, I'm not much more brighter than you. So, oh, it, so it's a lot easier to, to plan for this. And so I did do my homework. Um, I went back into your archives and dug out the Jolene Letcher and the Paul Tenek and the interviews you did with them mm-hmm. all the way back in, uh, all the way, I don't know how long ago. It was last know. fall. Yeah. And you said, by the time you're elected, there'll be flowers coming out of the ground. And that's, <laughs> that's not true. I got a couple of weeks yet. Come on, man. <laughs> They're still covered with snow. Yeah. Um, so I went back and listened and, and I heard stuff about buses and busing and uh, technology around transportation and busing and and technological solutions. Um, and I heard caring about affordable housing. Um, and I know in the most recent, whatever forum it was, uh, lots of talk about approaches to law enforcement, mm-hmm. um, that made news. Um, and, and, and so I know they're talking about stuff that's related. So, but, uh, so let's talk about 
Let's talk about what I would like to hear related to when you asked one of them a question about busing mm-hmm. um, or walking. Let's go with walking. I would love to hear a mayoral candidate say, yeah, walking's a thing. Um, currently, there's there's efforts within city government to study and improve walking. Um, the our 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 health department has brought Scott uh, Mark Fenton in, and our our health department has brought um, um, Jeff Speck in. Um, both of them have written the book on walking. One's an Olympic walker, and hmm. one's wrote a very popular and, and good book on that. Um, and downtown Sioux Falls brought in Chuck Marone, which you know I participated mm-hmm. in. Um, and and yeah, so I, I would love to hear them acknowledge that there are existing efforts, existing studies, like the like the Mark Fenton thing led to walk audits, where you you're downtown and you you have a checklist and you say, can I walk? Can I cross this street? Can I get from here to there? Mm-hmm. If I'm if if I'm in a wheelchair, can I get from here to there? Mm-hmm. And uh, and those walk audits are done; they exist, and they show suggestions for results. And I'd love a mayoral candidate to say, "Yeah, those exist," and "Yeah, I acknowledge that they affect public health," and "Yeah, so that should be important." And our vibrant downtown, if we want our vibrant downtown to continue or grow and improve. We pay attention to the existing things that we've done instead of instead of saying, "Yeah, I want to improve that," or or having their own independent ideas. Let's bring let's bring the candidates into the community that already exists around walking. Don't start over. Them. Yeah, yeah. Build on what exists and know what exists. Which Be- I'm not sure. I haven't. I didn't hear any of them say that sort of thing to you. And it's quite possible they don't know. Right. Um, and tapping into people like you is important. I, and I, I continue to say that transportation is one of the top couple issues, two or three issues that we face in this community. And I have seen no evidence to suggest otherwise. Walking, walkability is a huge part of that. Right. Um, Curiously, we know uh, when people are outside walking, um, crime decreases because there's eyeballs. Mm -hmm. Currently, we're all in a restaurant buried in our $20 entree or we're at home watching Netflix. Netflix. I was going to try and name a show. Um, and and, and we're, we don't go outside, right? So, yeah, it's winter and we have long winters and we're all sick of what's outside right now. But, you know, when people are outside, they're policing their own neighborhood. It's hard when there are eyeballs around to commit crimes. And so law enforcement's a big deal in this current, at least in this sense the since the runoff is happening. Law enforcement's a big deal. And we're talking about making huge changes to law enforcement. Let's talk about making huge changes to encouraging people to get outside and be eyeballs on the street. Yeah. And uh, which does lead us into walkability is one issue. Uh, Actual busing, though, is an issue. And I think one of the interesting things that you and I have talked about is you can't, at some measure, you can't solve that problem if you don't have the right vision for a city where busing is possible, meaning density. Right. Explain the explain the the uh, connection between those two things. Density and busing and and walking plays into that. And um, I'll think of something else. Um, but but let's jump off from walking. When people ride the bus, they tend to walk mm-hmm. um, because there's always a block to the next stop or to the stop to pick up the bus. And there's always a block from getting off the bus to where your destination is. Um, so it increases walking which in turn increases public health. Um, 
your density problem is say route 10 which comes out on the west side and and drives down 12th street it mm-hmm. goes down 12th street where nobody lives um and so there's the audience the possible the possibilities for people boarding the bus going down 12th street and marion road and and 26 and louise there's like 100 people or mm-hmm. less that could possibly board your bus Whereas if you're going through a downtown, a core downtown, how, how many people work downtown? 50,000? I don't know. I don't no, know it's not number. that high. I'm making up a number. It's a lot. It's more dense. There's mm-hmm. more people per block to pick up. And so, so you build your suburbs and there's one house every 200 feet, however big a lot is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My numbers are horrible. I just know somebody's <laughs> out there going, that guy's dumb. They get, but you know, but they get, the, you the get houses your, are all farther apart as yeah. you get farther out. Right. And, and the arteries where the buses are going to be get further and further from the houses. Yes. Um, so yeah, you're, what you want, we look at density, you make your arteries less arterial and more neighborhood uh, and you make your, you make your buffers from the busy roads be multiple family dwellings. So then in, in one under one roof, you got eight people instead of two or yeah. one person. Um, and, and that develops your possibility and a more robust system for busing. What is it too late for us? Are we already, is the die cast for Sioux Falls in terms of how this is, place is going to work? No, probably not because these things take a long time. You know, I've I've grown up here, um, and you know some people will jokingly say or not so jokingly say we're twenty years behind, right? We're twenty years behind. In twenty years, we'll be doing this that somebody in East Coast or West Coast has. Um, so I don't I don't think that the die is cast. We have a great downtown and we love it. And and if we build that out, you know, in in the last ten years, we've expanded a block, right? So mm-hmm. we've gone from Phillips Avenue to now kind of Phillips and Maine. And yep. we've seen a lot of good stuff on Maine that, that seem to say, yeah, this is going to stick here. So, yeah. so we got two blocks that are, that are going to, two streets that are going to be good. Um, so let's make it three. But the thing is, you got to start. And so, so we, I've been talking 10 years now of, Hey, we should start. <laughs> and, yeah. and you know, it's worked out here. I am on a radio show, right? Um, you've been saying the same thing. And, and so you, you got to start the conversation. I long for the day that I meet a v- developer mm-hmm. who cares, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be a developer that's younger than me. That's going to come up and maybe catch it. Yeah. Um, and then, and then we start seeing improvements in, in how areas are developed. And if, if that proves out, Hey, this development is really cool. People are really attracted to this like downtown people are right now. Right. Then you start increasing those, the chances that will make it. There, if I take away one thing, there's a lot of good stuff in there. But if I was to take away one thing and tell the candidates, it would be, look, there have been a lot of people working on these issues for a long time. Put them in a, in a room and ask them what you think is best. And yeah. you'll get some great answers. Right. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, any good rides this weekend? By the way, it's going to be nice. Go out and ride your bike. Uh, the 605 running half marathon is exciting. Yes. And then on Sunday is the Father Bicyclists um, 80 and 18 ride, which the parks are doing 80 parks in 2018. Yep. And we're doing our part by taking a ride to each of the parks that uh, are listed for that month. So and that's you can Sunday. Find, you can find out all the good rides by going to clubfab.org, right? Yes, absolutely. There's a calendar there. Clubfab.org. Michael Christensen, he has many hats. One of them as is the smart cyclist on this program. And Michael, I always appreciate when you can come into studio. I always love coming in. Thank you.
Coming up right after the break, we're going to chat with a gentleman who is walking for 24 hours to raise money for a school in Kenya. What could be better than that? Speaking of walking, this is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Not straight, I love my money for one last pack of strings. 348 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And unfortunately, very unfortunately, we were unable to hook up with Mr. Lance Smith, who is going to be walking for 24 hours, I think from somewhere down in Nebraska to uh, Sioux Falls to raise money for a school in Kenya, which is valuable work. And, uh, you know, I wish him all the best. I'm sure you can find something about that out there on the social medias. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing my best for you, Lance, wherever you are. I hope, I wish you only the best and uh, good luck on that. I think there's been some others, stories and such written about Lance's journey and uh, it's, it is a, a, uh, a good thing that he's doing and I can't imagine walking for 24 hours. Well, I can a little bit because I used to be an endurance athlete. I've done things for a long time, but I haven't walked for 24 hours. Should be an adventure. Uh, I did see one other thing that I was trying to get to yesterday and in terms of politics and the campaigns, and I wasn't able to do it. So how fortuitous that we have this time together. Um, and that is, uh, it's, it, it's interesting. And I've seen this uh, written on uh, a couple of the blogs out there for good different blogs, bloggers that we have on this show have both written about it. Dakota Free Press and uh, South Dakota War College both have entries about this. And that is, there's a, a radio story Uh uh, that was came out, uh, I think, originally WNAX and uh, KCCC played on KCCR and Peer, and we're part of that network. And and uh, it and so I I feel all right about using their stuff. Anyway, uh, 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 Chantel Krebs was interviewed uh, on WNAX, and they were talking about the um, tariffs and the Trump trade war, which is something uh, you know that I have talked about a lot on this program. We have an interest in because. As South Dakotans, we um, are in the export business in agriculture, and the tariffs uh, placed on Chinese steel and aluminum have drawn a response, as you know, from the Chinese, saying that they're going to put about a 25% on soybeans and uh, corn and beef and pork. And right away, that uh, soybean tariff got everybody's attention real fast. And, uh, you know, the price of soybeans started going down on the uh, commodity exchanges right away. And uh, so there was there's some some fear there. And now all of a sudden you're seeing uh, you're seeing a lot of uh, uh, mainline Republicans, John Thune among them, really starting to voice uh, their um, frustration, maybe with the administration and how the the game keeps changing. The rules keep changing. Um, And, you know, they just uh, I saw uh, John Thune quoted recently in the Washington Examiner, I believe it was about how. And I don't want to misquote him. I don't have it in front of me right now. But essentially, it's hard to deal with the White House right now because the policy changes from day to day. Um, As you know, um, John Thune and some other farm state senators met with the president to express their concerns about trade. Uh, That was the meeting where the president said he we were thinking about getting back into the TPP, which is the Trans-Pacific Partnership. You remember that little deal with 10 other countries, uh, including many in the Pacific Rim, mostly in the Pacific Rim, and in Canada, Mexico, and everybody else, and then Australia and, and Vietnam and places like that, right? 
And it was all about having a unified front in trade to influence uh, the Chinese, which are the, the, the focus of all our trade rage these days because they uh, steal our intellectual property. Uh, they will, uh, uh, they devalue their currency. There's a lot of things that they do that they shouldn't do. That's not, not uh, a point of contention. We all know that that's true. But how do you combat that? Trump decided to leave TPP, which would have been very good for uh, South Dakota agriculture, particularly animal agriculture, beef and pork, because it would have dropped the tariffs in places like Japan and made us more competitive in the Asian markets, which would have made those countries stronger in terms of their trade against China. Leaving it was bad. And Thune told him that, well, that night, the president basically reversed himself, you know, and so it gets to be very difficult to uh, know what the policy on trade is going to be. All that said, Chantel Krebs, who's running for House against, in the Republican primary against Dusty Johnson and Neil Atapio, comes out and says, you know, trade wars, this could be all right. There's good in this. And basically throwing her lot in with the president. And I'm just kind of stunned by that. Um, I don't think that's very good politics, first of all, but I think it's terrible policy. It's awful policy. And I hope that Chantel will see the light on that because if she goes to Congress, she needs to keep in mind that we are in the export business. Tariffs are bad for our business here in South Dakota. So we'll be watching that. And uh, I don't know. She's got she's to see the light on that one. We'll be right back on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public service announcement with guitar. Know your rights. 3.58 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Hey, everybody, I want to remind you. This Friday, April 20th, is Art for Arthritis, 5.30 to 9.30 p.m. at the Holiday Inn City Center. That's the downtown Holiday Inn, 100 West 8th Street. It's an event featuring the Art of Juvenile Arthritis Champions, ages 4 to 13, and their local volunteer mentor artists. It really is a fabulous event for a great cause. Enjoy hors d'oeuvres, dinner and dessert, silent and live auctions, and more. And it's up in the uh, Starlight Room there at the Holiday Inn, which is always fabulous. Be up there looking down over downtown at night. It's all lit up. It's lovely. Coming up after the break, after the news and weather, we're going to chat with Paul Tenhaken. He, of course, is a candidate for mayor of your city of Sioux Falls. We'll be right back with that conversation on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Welcome back to the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. And I am quite pleased to have back in the studio following the big first round of city elections, mayoral candidate Paul Tenhaken, who has made it through to the May 1st runoff against Jolene Letcher. First of all, Paul, 
Thanks for coming back to the show. I really appreciate it. Good afternoon, sir. My pleasure. Always a joy to be with you. So you wake up on Wednesday morning after the election, and what's the first thing you think? Well, the first thing I thought that morning, because I had to wake up at 5 because I had an interview at 6 a.m., so that's how quick you have to get back into this. This three-week runoff thing is is nuts. So you don't really have time to sit back and say, oh, guy, we really hit a home run there. We did great there. You don't even, you can't even reflect on what happened. You just are condensing everything now down into the three-week sprint campaign. So um, we bathed in it for about five minutes on Tuesday night and said, okay, it starts at 5 a.m. tomorrow, and we've been going since. How, I mean, you knew, uh, you had probably a sense of where things were going. You felt good about it. Everybody does. But that moment when you realized, yep, I made it through. Tell me what that experience was like, because you never run for office before. No, yeah. You know, it was when we hit about 40% of precincts reporting and, um, you know, hit the refresh and the numbers stayed the same and the gap stayed the same. It was like, all right. Uh, I think we're probably safe now uh, to at least be one and maybe number two. So we're like, this is going to happen. And there was a feeling of uh, elation, uh, fear, (laughs) excitement. I mean, just a range of emotions because it was like, all right, we got to get ready for the next 21 days now. So quite honestly, um, I wish we had a little bit more time to revel in it. You know, like a federal race, you have a primary. Mm-hmm. You can at least have a day to sleep in, get your hair cut, and start again. But like this, no, you, you, we just we went right away. Well, on the good side, it's going to be over soon. Truth, truth, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> exactly. Which the voters are probably ready for, also. Yeah, so. the and it is kind of interesting because you do actually get to now focus in on one person versus another person rather than a pool of six people. Right, right. What's that like for you as a candidate? It, you know, in some ways, uh, I've been looking forward to this stage of the race because now, now it's it's uh, an apples and oranges comparison, and people have to decide which which fruit they like. You know, and, and so it's hard when you're running against five or six other people to really differentiate because we had good candidates. Sioux Falls was really blessed this round to have some great candidates step up, and so. To try and differentiate was a challenge. I think the differences are going to become a little bit more clear now that it's uh, you know myself and my opponent based on um, people were obviously looking for someone with fresh energy and kind of fresh excitement to the race, and that you know both my 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 challenger and I we don't have political experience. We're we're new to the political game, and um, and we understand that. But also, I think they're looking more for some of that executive leadership experience, the the things that I bring to the table. You're not completely new to politics in terms of you've worked in politics. Right, right. And I think it's important to uh, talk a little bit about that because it came out in a recent Argus Leader story that wasn't about you. It was about Mike Rounds, but Mm -hmm. you were included in it and that you have done work for Mike Rounds and other uh, uh, significant political candidates in our system. Yeah. I think it's important to tell people what is your political experience and and what did you basically what did you do in sure. politics? Sure, my uh, my very first client when I started my marketing technology company, ClickRain in '08, was a Senate race, a U.S. Senate race, and that snowballed into me becoming a digital political consultant for clients all over the country. So I worked on a lot of campaigns, but I, I sat on the other side of the desk as the digital political nerd. Because remember, in 2010 when I started my, or excuse me, 2008 when I started my company, uh, President Obama was, uh, you know, was making waves with this digital transformation, mm-hmm. this digital po- political thing. And so all these campaigns were seeking to understand, well, how do we use MySpace more effectively? And how do we, you know, A-B test? And what does that even mean? And so, um, so I've worked on a ton of political campaigns. 
And um, I think a lot of that experience has been helpful because, because it's allowed me to forge a lot of relationships with even our existing delegation, our federal delegation, our state delegation, which will be important relationships for uh, for the next mayor to have going forward so that we can you know keep Sioux Falls moving ahead based on times when we have to lobby for state and federal dollars to kind of move the needle. So rounds, the Mike Rounds campaign was your first uh, political experience first? No, that was because that, that was that was fourteen. I've been oh, working yeah, yeah. on campaigns okay. since oh eight. So, so with Senator Rounds, yeah, we we worked on his campaign. Um, you know, this this specifically in in that um, in that story, what had happened was uh, Senator Rounds, some of his staff was essentially getting cyberbullied. This was just a case of cyber, not only a staff but the families of the staff, and they said, okay, once it started going after the families, they said, all right, we got to find out who this is. And so I would stand up for victims and cyberbully victims all day, and that's exactly what happened. And uh, and in, the Internet has made a vitriolic political landscape. I sure. mean, there's no doubt about it because people get very bold online. Um, but when you see them in person, and I've had this even in this campaign. I mean, I have people who they want to poke at me and say things about me that aren't accurate. And then I'll see them in real life because this isn't a big city. And, you know, then all of a sudden the dialogue gets shut down. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to look at me. They don't want to have this conversation. So that's, that's where political, uh, political social media tactics get a little bit dirty sometimes. Was the uh, story, was Jonathan Ellis did the story, was it accurate? Did you find everything was portrayed the way you understood it to happen? It's absolutely accurate. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was absolutely accurate. Um, so your work has been uh, primarily with Republicans, all Republicans— We've worked with uh, some independents. Uh, we worked with. I've worked with the Democrat before. Um, we've worked on some ballot initiatives that um, you would say, "quote our our mm-hmm. Democrat uh, ballot initiatives." Uh, so my my political philosophy is, uh, and you know, a lot of people know this. You know, I'm a Republican. I'm mm-hmm. a registered Republican, right. but I have a lot of social left leaning uh, social justice issues that are close to me around poverty and homelessness and affordable housing and those we're going to talk about uh, your political philosophy here in a minute so I love it I just want to get that part out of the way uh, yeah we're going to take a very short break here and we're going to come back and talk more with Paul Tenhaken who is a candidate for mayor in the May 1st runoff this is when things get real we'll be right back this is the Patrick Lally show information 1000 KSOO Welcome back to the Patrick Lally Show here on Information 1000 KSOO. And we are continuing our conversation with Paul Tenhaken. He, of course, is one of two candidates who made it through the first round of mayoral elections and will face Jolene Letcher on May 1st for the right to be your next mayor. Uh, Paul, uh, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, those first moments, uh, but now it comes down to one person versus another. Uh, I want you to give me three examples of areas where you think you differ with Jolene on policy issues. Sure. Uh, you know, not uh, not leadership, not um, experience, but policy issues. What are three things? You guys have stood up on the dais many, many times at this point, and you're very familiar with each other. How do I separate you two? So one one policy area that I'll, uh, I'll point to is um, – I am not quite as bullish on the development that's going to happen around the Premier Center as my opponent. Uh, I think we built an arena there, and it didn't happen. And then we added a convention center on, and it didn't happen. And we added a Premier Center on, and it didn't didn't happen. And so after a while, we have a great investment there, and I'm going to continue to do everything to make that investment um, shine. 
but to make promises that the private sector is all of a sudden going to flock around there and we're going to de- develop an entertainment district and a, uh, you know, some sort of uh, restaurant and, and shopping area around there. Uh, the market has dictated that that's not going to happen. And that's okay, ultimately. It's totally okay. It's okay. It's a, the Premier Center is a fantastic facility, and I was pushing to get that thing done like everybody else. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to put te- a lot more taxpayer dollars towards that to try and spur development because we've put millions and millions there already, and it hasn't happened. So that's one issue. You know, the second issue is so we talk about public transportation a lot, and um, and I am not. I am intentionally not throwing out solutions on that challenge yet because I don't have them. And I could say things I think that um, that would sound good, but I know the challenges of the budget. And so I can't promise, uh, you know, fleet turnover and and kind of reinventing our whole fleet when I know what our budget looks like, Mm -hmm. that it just wouldn't allow it. So um, so we're going to we differ quite a bit on the public transit issue. Not that I don't think we need to address it because I absolutely do. And we Um, can we'll talk about that a little bit later because, you know, it's one of my pet pet uh, topics. But uh, go ahead. What's another one? Those are two good ones. Yeah, those are two good ones. Um, you know, I'll probably talk about the, uh, you know, the topic of diversity and immigration. And, um, you know, so a lot of people want to approach me and say, hey, what are you going to do for this segment of the population or for this segment of the population? How are you going to help the Hispanic population, the LGBT population? And my answer is always, I am not specifically calling out one segment of the population. I'm the mayor for the entirety of the city. So the LGBT population, the Hispanic population, the Christian population, the atheist population, the Muslim, they want affordable housing. They want good jobs. They want good transportation. They want quality of life. They want public safety. They want good infrastructure. They want the same thing we all want. So I try not to get as hung up on these specific pockets and focusing on some of these more divisive diversity issues because those are, um, those are landmine issues, hot-button issues. And I focus on the totality of the population say, have the mayor for everybody and not just specific subsets of the populace. Um, you mentioned uh, religious diversity in there. Uh, as you have now been out on the trail for a while, and we talked about this when you first came in, faith in the workplace and, and your faith of big parts in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Click Rain that you started, uh, it's part of your mission statement. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, there's no, there's no shame in that. There's no problem with that. But how have you dealt with, uh, have people come to you and expressed concerns because they are Catholic or they're uh, Jewish or they're Muslim or they're any, you know, all the other religions or just non-practicing mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, agnostics or atheists. What kind of dialogue have you had with people out there because you've been so forward about your faith? For sure. That's a great question. I I have, through this campaign, just met with so many different religions in this community. I met with, you know, Rabbi Mendel, who's new to this market for mm-hmm. about the last year, a Jewish rabbi that we haven't had a Jewish rabbi in Sioux Falls in, since the early 70s, I believe. Right. Uh, you know, visited the Muslim mosque and met with some of their leadership. I've met with people at the Multicultural Center, the Sudanese community, the Liberian community. I've attended Liberian church services. Uh, and so what I try to encourage people to do when they think about me is throw away your perception of closed mind. Uh, Christian conservative people, because I'm trying. People are trying to paint me as such. Um, I am the mayor for all people, and I don't have an agenda. I don't have a conservative agenda uh, to force some sort of beliefs on the city or to force some beliefs in city hall. I'm a man who loves people, who leads with compassion, 
who can be hard when I need to, but also realizes that I'm the mayor for 185,000 people who all in their heart of hearts believe something probably a little bit different than the other person. And you have to take that approach in a city hall or you're going to set yourself up for a lot of conflict. Uh, were you surprised at all that it either has come up at all or hasn't come up as much as you thought it might? Meaning I thought it actually might be a little bit bigger issue. It hasn't come up at all. In fact, us talking about it right now, mm-hmm. uh, I could probably count on two fingers <laughs> mm-hmm. how many times I've talked about this because people know that my style it's not a, it's it's a very inclusive style um, and it's not a confrontational style and so what I have found is people like to know whether no matter what you believe what your faith is people like to work for someone follow someone believe in someone who has convictions and who who has guiding principles okay because at the core the guiding principles of the mayor have to be listen my integrity means more than anything else. So uh, I'm going to lead in a way that doesn't compromise that integrity because the integrity is a reflection, uh, reflection of my heart and my heart is a reflection of what I believe in. So if I compromise that, it throws everything under the bus uh, you know, regarding what I stand for. We're going to come right back after the news and weather and talk a little bit more with Paul Tenhaken as we go past the bottom of the hour. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we're back on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we continue our conversation with Paul Tenhaken, who is one of two candidates for mayor on the May 1 runoff ballot, which is coming right up. Uh, Paul, you yesterday had a press conference uh, and you laid out your 100-day plan, uh, which is kind of a uh, thing that that uh, presidents do and, and mm-hmm. some other uh, politicians. Uh, uh, first of all, wh- what's your message from the 100 the day plan? What are you trying to say here with by doing that? So, so, you know, the main goal of yesterday and sharing that with you guys in the media and ultimately the public is to show I got a plan and I'm ready to step in and, and get moving. So I, la- I, I outlined a 2026 plan earlier in the campaign that said, hey, what, what are the next eight years going to look like for our city and the challenges we're going to have? A lot of that were global themes, you know, larger overarching themes. One of them I've talked a lot about is growth in crime and narcotics. People say, okay, get that's a theme. What are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. So this tells how I'm going to get into, you know, in the first 100 days and some actionable things that I'm going to hold myself accountable to and the public's going to hold me accountable to. So this is how I've grown my businesses over the years is you got to have a plan because a a goal without a wish is or a plan with just just a wish Mm -hmm. is my favorite phrase. So. Mm -hmm. So you got to have some things that you're executing to. So that was the goal of this 100-day plan to say, hey, this is what you can expect from me. So let's quickly hit some. You talked about there's three main points, but there's several points here, and we won't get through all of them, but I'm sure they're all available at paultenhaken.com. Yep. Yep. Uh, but uh, you talked about crime and drug activity. Um, quickly, what, what are the, what's the main thing that you want to do there? What, give me an actionable item. Honestly, the, the main actionable item, I mean, there's, there's five or six listed here, um, but the third bullet there says, uh, I want to conduct a series of roundtables at the PD, reassuring them of complete empowerment support from Sioux Falls City Hall. Um, they don't have that right now, and they don't, I don't think they feel that. And so there is going to be some, some back rubbing and re-empowering of the police that I need to do through each shift with everybody who puts on a uniform. So do, you think that, that, do you think that that has, you, you said that they don't have that right now. Has that been because of uh, the change in the pension plan and the salary issues and, and that kind of thing, or a legitimate, we just aren't getting the backing we need? Uh, it's It's been a variety of things. Uh, and, and so I have a lot of 
contacts in the PD, a lot of people I've talked to over the last eight months. And it's everything from, you know, the, 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 the back pay from the uh, last contract negotiation and the, the decision to renege that back pay, mm-hmm. which was indicative to the PD of their support of the mayor. It's every time we talk about having a full penny bank and, and, and good, but the, the, yet we can't resource the PD properly, even though those are separate budgets. And, I, and you, you and I get that. The message is not well received. And so um, I want to make sure they feel empowered again to do their job and not feel like City Hall is telling them how to do their job. Um, anything else that specifics in terms of uh, fighting crime? That you, you know, real real specific. Uh, the, the the chief has um, somewhat of a, a limited spending power on his own budget, um, and he's got thirty five million dollar budget, but but expenses over a grand. He needs uh, city hall finance approval right now, and I want to remove that. This is approved budget, Patrick. This mm-hmm. isn't you know you have an open checkbook. This is budget's already approved. I want to give him again the ability spend your own budget. Provide the training resources. Allocate this how you think we need to allocate it in order to combat the eighty-five percent growth we're seeing in narcotics. So uh, it's it's a thousand dollars. You want to get rid of it entirely, or just raise it to like ten grand or something? You know, I'm, there's there's a threshold there somewhere. Thousand yeah. uh, dollars, you can hardly you know take a guy to peer for a two day training right. for that. So uh, point three on here is one of your uh, uh, more uh, aggressive points. You said you'll get serious and creative about attracting workers to our city. Obviously, workforce development is huge. Mm-hmm. What it's a, it's a problem across the country, everywhere. What are you going to do that's going to solve this problem here that people elsewhere aren't doing? Sure. One of the more creative solutions I'm looking at doing is. Uh, I want to talk with the uh, South Dakota Workforce Development Council and uh, GOED Workforce Development Team and look at developing a statewide internship engine for um, for the state. So right now, and I know this because I have hired hundreds of people over the last 10 years, and a lot of them are young people. And finding an internship, this is how you find an internship right now. You go to your dad. Dad, do you know anybody who works at Dakota Bank <laughs> or wherever? Yeah, my buddy's a mortgage lender. And you go through, and they grease skids, and emails get forwarded on. It is so challenging for college kids to find internships. When you And the internships are out there. They're all over the place, but they're hidden. They're hidden under rocks, and they're hidden under who do you know. If you get your hooks in, in a student for an internship, it oftentimes leads to full-time employment and keeps them here. And you so, know, I, I saw an interesting thing in, in terms of that is uh, Fresh Produce, which is a local advertising firm. They are uh, going to a... Uh, a rigorous apprenticeship program. I saw that. Which is somewhere between an uh, uh, an internship and a job. Um, I thought that was kind of innovative. It's not or- particularly original, but you don't see it as much anymore. You definitely don't see it in, in white-collar, the white-collar world. I mean, you, right. you hear apprenticeships more in the, in the trades. But So I, I think that, you know, we're cranking out hundreds and hundreds of college students every year in the city, and we're making it really hard for them to get their hooks into a company when they're juniors um, and, and vice versa for the companies to get their hooks into them. So we keep them here. Uh, and then uh, point seven city hall will be, and this is obviously a big one for me, transparent and communicate more effectively with citizens. Um, this is a, this is the catchphrase of the whole campaign is transparency. Uh, what exactly are you going to do to improve transparency? Exactly. I'm going to hit these real quick because they're very important. I'm First thing I'm going to do is I am going to hire what I'm going to call a deputy chief of staff. It's mm-hmm. going to replace the current communication specialist, Heather Hitterdahl, who's who's resigning and is done mm-hmm. May 15. Yep. So day one. Now, the optics of this are as a deputy chief of staff, that title, I'm not bloating government. It's a replacement of that position. But that person will have the authority to communicate on behalf of the mayor's mm-hmm. office. 
Um, so it would be an elevated communications position. Secondly, I want to re-implement some monthly oral legal briefings with the council. So we had to pass an ordinance recently in order so that the council could be notified when pending litigation was coming down uh, to the city. We had to put that in ordinance. We should have regular legal briefings with our counselors, let them know about that. I'm going to have a media roundtable. It's one of the first things I'm going to do with people like you, the Argus, TV stations, to say, okay, in a perfect world, what does communication from City Hall look like? What sort of information do you need? How often do you need it? How can we communicate better? Um, there's a there's an executive order in place right now, a confidentiality yes. clause that goes to the entirety of all 1,300 employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hitting a nail with a sledgehammer, in my opinion. You need to have uh, executive order like that in place for your key senior level staff, but you shouldn't have your people, you know, who are running a plow, feel like they they you know are tightened by an executive right. order. That's just a threat. It's a threat. Did, you don't even need an executive order with your with your uh, your department heads if they. That's an agreement between you and them. You know what I mean? Essentially, you For sit sure. everybody down and say, look, guys, if you're going to say something that's going to you know, be of interest to me, I don't want to hear it the first time on the news, right? right? Exactly. And, and what happens is, you know, on a federal level, you get congressional clearance to get, you know, get briefings from the White House and it's confidential rooms. And there's no, as soon as, as soon as they know there's a leak, you're out and your clearance is gone. It's yep. the same thing with me. I mean, I, everyone has my trust from day one. And then the last thing I think that's really important is I'm looking to provide a more formalized public input process at City Hall, which will actually improve public input. Um, I'm not looking at taking that away or squashing it. I actually want to put in some things that I think will improve the process, bring some more decorum to it, and make it more productive to those meetings. Well, it can be run better. Amen. Without, with just on day one, For right? sure. For okay. sure. There's been instances where it was not run very well. Right. Okay. Uh, we're going to come right back and, uh, and finish up here with uh, Paul Tenaken, who, of course, is a candidate for mayor on the runoff election. May 1, you can go out and absentee vote right now. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And welcome back to the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we're finishing up here our conversation with Paul Tenhaken, who is candidate for mayor. This is our last conversation before I, the election. And and you got my name right, finally, too. Not that you got it wrong before. It, you won't believe how many different ways people pronounce Tenhaken. <laughs> It's getting butchered. You know what's funny is, in the grand scheme of Dutch names, you have a Dutch heritage. Mm-hmm. Uh, yours is pretty simple. <laughs> it's just it's phonetics. Haken yeah, is like taken. Right. You know, bacon. I mean, but but people want to butcher it a lot of different yeah, ways. So. That's tough. Um, hey, you know, uh, you and I were just talking off air uh, about um, the relationship between cities in the metro area and all the different levels of government. And this is not something that we've talked about before, which is. Uh, don't we have to start working together between all these governmental units that make up the city of Sioux Falls? You got two counties, uh, six cities, uh, uh, seven school districts, all the different levels. Uh, are we cooperating now and how do we make it better? You know, I think we do okay, but I think we have a lot of room for improvement. And so you've heard me probably talk a lot about the phrase consensus building leadership. Well, what does that mean? Well, what, what that really means is. How do we lock arms with some of the other cities in our MSA and look at them as peer cities and say, okay, when, when Brandon wins, Sioux Falls wins, you know, because 80% of the people who wake up in the morning, they get out of the shower and they drive to Sioux Falls. 
and they work here, and they spend money here. And so we want Brandon to win. We want Harrisburg. We want Hartford. We want those cities to be successful. So I think we have to change our philosophy a little bit to, to say, um, how are we competing for Marmon Energy? Oh, Brandon got that, and Sioux Falls didn't get that. No, no, no. It's how can we help Marmon be successful in Brandon because that will create a win in Sioux Falls. So I think, you know, Mayor Julie Van Leuveny from Harrisburg's, you know, endorsing me this week is a good indication of those those communities realizing how important it's going to be to have a strong relationship in City Hall. That is a consensus building style because they see we're we're slowly getting closer and closer and sharing infrastructure needs, wastewater needs, things like that is going to be really, really critical in the next four to eight years. And it also is important in terms of transportation, which you know I'm mm-hmm. passionate about. How can we work with those communities to make transportation better? Because it seems like we are just headed down Old school, post-World War II, core city, next growth, suburbs, get on the highway, drive into the middle. We're, we're just on this path. And it doesn't seem that there's any sort of discussion about how do we avoid that? Because it has proven to not pay off in the long run or it causes a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. It's expensive and it, it changes lifestyle. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on how we plan as a metro area? Is it time for some sort of overarching metropolitan, I don't want to say metro government because people will freak out, but some sort of way to unify this together a little bit. Uh, I think that is a, a landmine topic, so I want to be <laughs> super careful right now. But I do think there is absolutely a a council or a way to bring the uh, the governmental entities of some of these peer cities together in a tighter fashion and say, okay, what's our 2040 plan collectively amongst these seven or eight cities versus Sioux Falls. We have our 2040 plan mm-hmm. where we're developing. Um, you know, Brandon has their own plans and Harrisburg and Hartford and T and Lennox will have what's our collective MSA plan so that we can share economies of scale with you're going to need public transportation. If we could put affordable housing units out near Lennox mm-hmm. and have trans transit options that would get those people into Sioux Falls and have it be affordable. Uh, that's a win-win for both. Lennox grows, grows their sales tax and property tax base. We get the workforce, we get the affordable housing options. So, Creating some more unity amongst those cities, I think, is going to be absolutely critical. Metro government, not ready to talk about that one yet, but I think it's definitely a, a topic that's worth at least discussing with these other, you know, the other sister cities. Yeah, people will just freak out, but there maybe there's a model out there to develop more unification. I mean, there's some groups that work on these things. I think about the Southeastern Council of Governments mm-hmm. and you know some of the county planning and all that different stuff. But it doesn't seem like there's a big vision. And when you're talking about how do you plan density, how do you plan growth, right. to make it affordable and best for quality of life, right? there's no great answers, but you got to talk about it. There isn't. And you know, one thing that was encouraging to me, because I, I heard a gentleman talk at the downtown Sioux Falls annual meeting, uh, his name's going to escape me, but he talked about urban sprawl and how mm-hmm. as you move outward that's uh uh now i Scott, lo- Scott i lost his name too but it's strong towns yeah strong towns of the organization yeah. um as you move outward the cost of maintaining that infrastructure instead of moving you know developing your core you keep moving outward um the cost of maintaining that infrastructure grows exponentially well in 2000 the number the miles of roads per capita that we had in 2000 was actually a little greater than what we have at the end of 2017 
So Sioux Falls has, in some ways, done a pretty good job of managing that sprawl. I mean, mm-hmm. some people may may not think that's the case, but with our population, number of roads we're maintaining, the miles of roads we're maintaining for our population, I think we're still doing a pretty good job managing that. And it means we have time. We right. are we don't have to uh, put the genie back in the bottle. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Paul, it's been a pleasure chatting with you again today. It's been a great campaign. Uh, Good luck on May 1st, and uh, we'll see what happens on uh, May 2nd. Hey, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for all your support along the way. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four fifty-five on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Thanks to my guest today, Paul Tenhaken, who well, I was very happy to speak with. I've now had three separate interviews with both of the mayoral candidates uh, going into this uh, final round. I interviewed them both twice before the initial um, before the initial election, and I've since got to interview them both uh, extensively after going into the runoff and uh you know it's been it's been very interesting i think it's been a, a pretty good campaign we got a couple of weeks to go here um and i should tell you i'm not going to be here i'm not going to be here for the next couple of weeks after uh, beginning monday uh i won't be on the air till after the election so it's a little bit disconcerting for me to be uh, out of the loop at this t- uh, critical time, but I know that it's going to be very interesting. It's already getting uh, more energetic, uh, as I said uh, uh, in the first hour of the show, talking about the city's response to Ten Haken's press conference yesterday. That's got a fair amount of attention. Uh, our friend South Dakota over at uh, Scott Arisman over at the South Dakota blog is questioning the legality of that particular uh, statement from the city in that uh, state law says that, uh, and he he has the citations here, he's got the state law cited, expenditure of public funds to influence election outcome prohibited. And, uh, you know, it's the question is whether or not what the city, uh, Stacey, Tracy Turback's press release constitutes some sort of uh, expenditure of public funds to influence an election. Now, maybe, you know, Paul Tenhaken's name was never actually used. Um, the press release was written in such a way that it was still kind of vague, um, ultimately offering, you know, education and uh, had some uh, language that was uh, focused on both candidates. So there's probably wiggle room there. Um, that's... I still think it was inappropriate, even if it wasn't illegal. Um, the city, uh, the current administration, shouldn't be jumping into that election. That is, uh, could be seen as um, the current mayor saying that uh, Paul Tenhagen doesn't know what he's talking about. Could be seen that way. Is it illegal? Nah, probably not. Probably not. At the same time, there's an Argus Leader story out today about uh, some of the campaign contributions that Paul got specifically from um, uh, the McDonald family, who uh, has is behind uh, DocuTap, the family behind DocuTap, and the fact that the gentleman included uh, his basically gave a thousand for himself and a, a thousand for each of his children. Um, that's 
within the law. It's the way it works. It happens in a lot of different campaigns. Is it the right thing to do? You know, that's it's within the law and it happens all the time. It does, that part doesn't bother me so much. Um, so, but it's, it points to the fact that things are getting, you know, a little, uh, a little more energetic and you're going to see that for the next couple of weeks. So have fun, everybody. I want you to enjoy this last couple weeks of the campaign. And, uh, when I get back, we'll have a new mayor and we'll start talking about that. That'll be a good time. Hey, coming up tomorrow, we still got one left. Jeff Zuger of Whitewall Sessions will be here and he's bringing the band two tracks. Uh, and they're playing tomorrow night in the White Wall Session studio, and that's going to be fun. You're going to want to tune in for that. I look forward to talking to you all tomorrow. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. KSOO.